Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. I'm Ali Jafar. I'm joined by my friend James Woodard. How's it going, James? It's going pretty good. We were just talking about uh, times I smoked too much weed and got scared. Um, But (laughs) now we're going to talk about video games. Yes, I love video games. Yeah, I've never been scared by a video game. (laughs) Ever? (laughs) No, that's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Spooky video games. Spooky video games forever. Uh, So today we are talking about Onimusha. Yes. The classic. Not super spooky. No. But it is Resident Evil adjacent. Yeah. I mean, it's Ninja fucking Biohazard, man. (laughs) Yeah, Ninja Hazard, dude. Ninja Biohazard. Yeah. Um... Before we get too deep into it, as usual, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com backslash zero brightness to help support the show. And also, blanket spoiler warning, we're going to spoil shit. Is there a lot to spoil in Onimusha? No. (laughs) (laughs) We're going there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not much much of a story, but... It is what it is. It's a good game. It's and, a really good game. And it's aged super well, and that's really unexpected because I was expecting to go into it and sort of like play a log of a game, you know? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, these yeah. old survival horror style games can sometimes play like logs, and this one does things pretty well. Yeah. If this was a log, it'd be one of those sanded and shellacked sort of uh, display logs that people put in their rustic homes. <laughs> display, yeah. yeah. Like like the ones you find at Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, man. I was just at Bed Bath & Beyond. B3. They probably had that shit there. Hell yeah, dude. B, B, <laughs> B cubed. <laughs> B3, yeah. That's what I care about. Fuck E3. I'm all about that. B3, baby. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, that was also a joke because I definitely live streamed the Nintendo Direct from E3 and was mega hyped. God bless the you. The whole time. What, what are you hyped for? Oh, well, obviously that Zelda remake is... Oh, Link's Awakening? S- yes. I already said on here once it's my favorite. The, the guess Twin what? Peaks of the Zelda franchise? <laughs> yeah, right? Our uh, our listeners agreed to that, correct? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, that was what the poll said. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm mega hyped for that. That's my favorite Zelda, and it's gonna be super cute. Mm, I think Fire Walk with Me is probably the um, Majora's Mask of the Twin Peaks franchise. Yeah, for sure. All those time jumps. Yeah, well, I was talking to someone about that movie the other day, and like, you are totally forgiven for not liking that movie. You know what? Like, no. I think so because it's I like it, but it's like so far afield that it's like crazy. Have you watched the um, the fan edit? Uh, no, called, I've only ever seen it. The original. Fuck! It's called Q Two Firewalk with Me. Okay, and it's incredible. They added all the deleted scenes back in. Sure. And, and this isn't like. Lynch didn't want it because they they made Lynch cut the movie down to 90 minutes and so there's uh. there's really like two movies worth of material 
And so this fan edit group called Q2 put it back together. It's great. And it's like three hours long and it's fucking cool as shit. You have to watch it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. I love that. Yeah, it's like it's totally like Link's Awakening for anybody that hasn't <laughs> seen Twin Peaks. Yeah. Well, I love... First of all, I love fan projects like that. I don't know if you saw the new version of uh, Nightbreed. Uh, the director's cut? Confession, that's the only version of Nightbreed that I've ever seen. Huh. Like the one that came out just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like... The original is is good, and I always liked the original, but this new version, it started as a fan project and then got picked up by, like, Arrow or somebody like that and turned into a real thing, and, man, it is amazing. I mean, it's nuts. I felt like an idiot for liking the original version for all the years, like, because I watched the new version. I was like, holy shit. It was weird because me and Lacey watched it, and she had only ever seen the original, and so we were watching it together and she's like this isn't what I remember no and then so afterwards we found out that it was like the director's cut was like significantly different than the original and it's way better yeah it's way especially so it's based on a book and if you've read the book it's kind of uncanny how much like the book it is because the book is like a thousand pages it's super huge and I don't know how they managed to condense it down into like two hours but they did Mm. but the, the original is a lot different um. Yeah, I like stuff like that. Hell yeah, Link's Awakening. <laughs> Link's, Link's Awakening, <laughs> the Firewalk with me. Or no, no, Majora's Mask is the Firewalk with me. Yeah, Link's Awakening is like the end of season two of Twin Peaks or something. When it get, when it gets good again. <laughs> yeah, for three episodes. It got like super fucking good for those three episodes, though. Yeah. God damn. Super good. Super good. Uh, that made me forgive them for all the Dick Tremaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we've already lost good. all of our listeners with Twin <laughs> Peaks talk. So anyway. Onimusha. Onimusha. Is the Twin Peaks of Capcom survival horror. Maybe. Maybe. Let's find out. Yeah. So we both played the new remaster, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Uh, had you played the original or what was your experience with the original? You know, I, I always tell the same story. Uh, I had a friend who was playing it and I was watching it when, <laughs> when I was like, you know, 14 or 15. I kind of had a similar experience with it, except it was that. So my friend Slater, uh, who had a great basement to hang out in, Sick. he had a copy of this game and it was one of our just like default games. It was like you could just put it on while you're hanging out and just play it like while you're hanging out. So we used to play a lot of like Kirby Superstar. Great uh, game. I have a lot of history yeah. of that one too. Yeah. We used to play a lot of that. We used to play a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, we used, And we used to play a lot of this game. So I've beaten this game a few times and I've watched people beat this game like way, way, way more times even than that. Um so I, I have a real soft spot in my heart for this game. What I remember most was the Dark World, actually. Oh, the, I yeah, guess the, people like, grind on that more than they actually played the story. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Theoretically. This game is really short. Yeah, well, and that was one of the things I loved about it and why it became like such a good default game. Because... You could just put it on and crank through it. And if you know where to go and what to do, you can beat it in like two and a half hours or something. Mega Man X for me was like that. I could beat it in like an hour. 
Yeah, we were super into yeah Mega Man X and also Super Metroid was mm. in there for sure because you could get that game down really really fast. Um, that's like the only games I ever tried to like sort of speed run for right. the two D two D Metroids. You know, just because you had them I and you played through them a bunch. Yeah, not because exactly. you wanted to be like the next speedrun world record dude no <laughs> well and it was mostly inspired by metroid fusion because once oh, really? again me and yeah me and my friend slater got copies of that game and we just beat it over and over and at some point it was like i think i can beat this game in like 30 minutes and he was like yeah i think i can too <laughs> oh that's so that's dope <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like really fun for for certain games especially like kind of short linear experiences yeah like Onimusha. Onimusha is linear AF. Yeah. So there's like a couple things that are hidden, but uh, it's not very much. It's mostly just run through it. And if you get good at the combat, yeah, you can blaze through it. Um, so as sort of somebody that's that came to the game with no experience with it, just knowing that it was like based on the Resident Evil engine and it had pre-rendered backgrounds like Resident Evil. Um, I sort of expected a much more clunky experience, but I was super surprised when I booted it up and started playing how, you know, one, responsive the controls were, two, how great the game looked, and three, how well, just in general, how well it held up to the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the remaster is really, really good. They did a really good job with updating the visuals and just cleaning them up a bit. And they added a slightly different control style, if you want. Yeah. That I think works well. So, you know, there's the tank controls, uh, you know, which are not the default anymore, but that's what everything had previously. Right. Uh, and then there are like relative controls. So when you press left, you go left. But that comes with its own problems because yeah. when you have the pre-rendered backgrounds and the camera changes suddenly, um, that can be disorienting when you're using the relative controls. I like them, though, because it's it sort of updates the game from, let's say, Resident Evil 2 to like Silent Hill 2. Yeah, but it also makes all the animations for the character look really goofy, like as a watcher, because yeah. every time the camera changes, like your your character just like jumps into a different direction. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that with the upgrade to the graphics and the addition of relative controls, the fixed camera angles suddenly become really, really weird. And especially at certain stages where it's like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> but, you know, honestly, it it held up a lot better than I expected. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was just funny how some of the things they did to make it better also made that one aspect of it yeah. really, really wacky. <laughs> well, also to sort of go with that, um, the game was designed in four by three and you could still play it in four by three. But when you play it in widescreen, it has this weird pan and scan effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, as your character is, you know, running on the screen, uh, if he goes, you know, lower in the picture, the, the camera will pan down unnaturally. It's not horrible, and it's, like, a good solution because 
most people don't want to play on a four by three aspect ratio on their TVs. Um, yeah, and it's not totally. that bad. So, no, yeah, I agree. It's you have to get used to a little bit instead of I think going back and playing the original. You'd probably have to get used to a lot. Right. I mean, tank controls in 2019. It's tough. They're harder. Yeah, yeah. they're harder than you remember. Um, one thing that didn't age super well, which I was kind of sad seeing, is that in some scenes where there's a lot of low contrast, you can see compression artifacts in the pre-rendered backgrounds, which is sure. sort of a super bummer. Yeah, for uh, sure. Um, I was playing on a 4K television, so it was super obvious. But you said you played on a Switch and it wasn't very obvious? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a 4K TV yeah. And uh, I was playing it on a Switch, and I played it a lot in handheld mode. Mm. Uh, so I, I told you this, but I had to dub like 300 cassette tapes. <laughs> and so it was like right after I got my Switch. And one of the first things I bought for it was the Onimusha remake. And I was like, well, I'm just going to play this while like I dub all these tapes. And it ended up being really fun. It made... It made a very, very tedious task, very bearable. But <laughs> yeah, I played it a lot in handheld mode where mm. the graphics just looked really good. And yeah. even even docked, it, it looked good. I mean, it's a remaster of a pretty old game. So yeah. I think my expectation, too, is that it's going to be like a polished turd rather <laughs> than like something super amazing just because like if it was super amazing they'd have to rebuild it from the ground up and it's like hey eh, you ain't got to do all that i don't even want you to do all that you know what i mean that being said the pre-rendered backgrounds in general look really good yeah and the character models look great for a game from 2001 so just to back up a little bit let's talk about what this game is so it was released in 2001 it's by capcom and as you alluded to earlier, it was originally conceived as Ninja Biohazard. <laughs> it's Ninja Biohazard. Next yeah. topic, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the game is heavily, heavily influenced by Chanbara, which are Japanese samurai movies. Mm. A lot of Western viewers might know this from uh, characters like Zatoichi or mm. uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, are some popular ones. Um, I guess a more contemporary one would be like Rurouni Kenshin. Uh, these are all characters who basically are these sort of wandering, kind of virtuous swordsmen. Uh, they're generally very overdramatic. They have these sort of heavily scripted fight scenes that are slow moving. Um, they feel very like strategic and tactical, maybe kind of staged, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to something like uh, like a kung fu movie where it's like a, a really fast dance or something. So this game was heavily influenced by that. And one of the really striking things about this game when you play it is once you actually figure out how to do the combat, it really looks like a Chambara movie. Yeah. The way that the characters move and the way that combat flows it's kind of nuts. Yeah, especially if you're, like, expecting Resident Evil combat. I mean, <laughs> the Resident Evil feels so primitive compared to this game. The combat is, like, super fast and flowing. 
Um, you can block. You can block quickly after an attack, so it's like super fast and uh, responsive. There's a second female character where if you hold a button, she can just jump around evasively, like super fast and fluid. It's really interesting. There's, there's probably a lot more depth to the combat than I actually used in the game because the game's like literally only three hours long. And I mean, I just feel like I, I feel like I just scratched the surface, especially on the female characters techniques. For sure. And the game does have an entire hidden set of techniques that are called isms, just like in uh, Street Fighter Alpha. Hmm. So they're all techniques for how to block and parry and counterattack. So it's like when you were playing, do you know, sometimes you would like get that flash of light and that sort. So that's when you do one Mm. and you can actually control that and learn the techniques to do that. See, I had no idea. I just mashed through the game. Yeah, no. I mean, like they don't tell you in the game. It doesn't say it in the manual. I don't think and it's just people figured it out and it kind of came out online later it's really really weird honestly but yeah the game has a ton of depth in the combat but a lot of it is hidden which is kind of a theme in this game that we'll get to Hmm. there's actually a lot of weird kind of interesting stuff hidden within what seems like a really simple game Um, because on the normal difficulty you don't really have to know any of that stuff you can get through the game without mastering the combat. There's kind of a difficulty spike at the end that is a little weird, but aside that was from jarring. That, yeah, yeah. But uh, the other interesting thing about this game is that the way it created that sort of authentic samurai combat feel in the game was by using survival horror gameplay, right? So it uses tank controls. It uses a ready button. So you don't have your sword out all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to ready your sword and then you can engage with enemies. And originally it had tank controls. And it's really just kind of a testament to like the great design of the game that they somehow managed to combine those weird bedfellows into a single type of gameplay that actually really feels like a samurai movie. I was also constantly worried about the amount of health items I had. So definitely survival horror. Yeah. They're very stingy with those as the game gets on. The amount of puzzles is definitely toned down from resident evil games. Right. But the survival horror kind of staples are all there. Right, exactly. So you have to be careful with your items. You have to understand the slow, methodical combat. And if you don't, you die. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the combat's not super slow either. Um, I was actually surprised. Your character is pretty slow, though. Like your movement, especially once you ready your sword, you have kind of a crazy sidestep that you can really while out on, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not Sekiro, but it's definitely not the uh, the other side of the spectrum would be like, I don't know, I just keep coming back to like Resident Evil 2 because, you know, that's what it's based on. This game came out in 2001, so Mm -hmm. it is really not that long after Resident Evil 3. It would have been after Code Veronica, and it feels light years ahead of those games, in my opinion. Yeah, even though it's pre-rendered, which Code Veronica wasn't, right? No, Code Veronica wasn't, but 
there's something about that game that is just clunky as fuck to me. <laughs> Maybe that's just my opinion, but holy hell. Like, I've gone back to play that game a few times recently, and I haven't beaten it just because, like, whoa, what is this? Mm. Well, that and Steve. Man, fuck Steve. So, like, the, the fluidity of combat in Onimusha contrasted with, like, the extreme brevity of the game. Like, you could tell that these devs were into the combat systems, which I believe this team went on to make more combat-y games, right? Well, I know that this game had a similar development to Devil May Cry, which is that they're all, like, Resident Evil spinoffs. But Devil May Cry was, like, the dude, was made by the dude who went on to start Platinum. Inafune made, was involved with Onimusha. And he was also involved with the uh, Mighty Number no. Nine <laughs> shit show. Yeah, well, people have been talking about that a lot because of Bloodstained and uh, yeah. Bloodstained, which has gone great. Um, that originally started with the same backing team, so it had oh, the really? same exact same production team. Was that NT Creates? It was Indie Creates, and then there's one guy whose name I can't recall who's like the money man who set up the whole project. Mm. And then after the Money Number no. 9 debacle, uh, Iga like cut ties with, with them completely, and wow. that's why the game got delayed so far. In the postmortem of that, people have come out, and I'm pretty sure Iga himself has said that Inafune is essentially a producer and like a business guy. Not a game dev. And he's not a game, yeah, he's not a game designer. Yeah. Whereas like Iga is like a crazy high level game designer <laughs> and he managed the Castlevania series through all of my personal favorite installments, you know. Mm. But yeah, I I do know that Devil May Cry was influenced by a bug within Onimusha. Oh, really? Yeah, so Hideki Kamiya is the guy who went on to start Platinum Games develop all those like beloved mm, okay. titles uh, he well he started clover studio and then founded platinum games clover did what beautiful joe yeah clover did beautiful joe and i think i want to say god hand onimusha inspired hideki kamiya to make devil may cry due mm. to there being a bug in it that let you juggle the characters and so onimusha is kind of instrumental in helping start that dude's career and now he's you know just like a legend yeah making all these great character action games yeah those those devil may cry nerds are like insatiable devil may cry players are like hash smokers there's like not a normal (laughs) one among them (laughs) yes so before we started rolling we had a brief conversation about anyone who smokes hash regularly is a gremlin fucking gremlins man so I guess we're extending that to Devil May Cry fans as well. <laughs> DMC Gremlins. <laughs> I mean, I'm comfortable with that personally, but I don't know how you guys out there feel. <laughs> oh, man. That's definitely not the worst thing that worst equivalents I've drawn. <laughs> anyway, one thing that really struck me while I was revisiting Onimusha was how ahead of its time this game feels to play now. I think it's partially 
because of that mixing of survival horror mechanics with action game mechanics that we're seeing a lot of nowadays. Mm. And most of that is due to the popularity of Dark Souls. Even in just the last year. I mean, I've played Breath of the Wild. I've played Near Automata. I've played uh, Hollow Knight. And I don't know. That's all that comes to mind right now. But there's definitely more. Where it's these games that were super, super influenced by Dark Souls. And the Dark Souls formula to me is just take survival horror gameplay and then mix it with tactical action and kind of remove the spookums from the <laughs> equation. Right? Dark, Dark Souls can be like legitimately creepy though. Yeah. Yeah. It has the atmosphere in a lot of the gameplay of a survival horror game, but and it does have some spookums. Yeah, for sure. It's got some spookums. It's not like fatal frame. <laughs> Fatal Frame will make you pee a little. Yeah. Dark Souls never made me pee. <laughs> Dark Souls maybe made me so mad that I, like, peed a little bit, but... It, <laughs> I kind of like a rage pee. <laughs> a rage piss. Piss your pants and rage. <laughs> just, just a couple little drops of rage. Uh, but <laughs> get so mad at a video game, you piss your pants like a big boy. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a subreddit for that. Playing Xbox and pissing your pants. Battlefield players. <laughs> it's like a fetish for Battlefield players. <laughs> pissing their pants on Xbox Live. <laughs> I don't know else ever get so mad at their teammates and Overwatch that they piss their pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple episodes since I like shit all over like gamers like that. So I'm <laughs> back, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back, James. Can we dub in the congratulations from the end of Evangelion in here? <laughs> Garçon? Uh, Garçon? Editor? 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 Congratulations! Yeah, like, that's the basic formula, in my mind, of a Dark Souls game. And that's definitely what's going on in Onimusha. Onimusha also has a soul-stealing mechanic yeah. <laughs> in it. Dark Souls totally lifted that. Well, and also the way that souls work, because in Dark Souls, souls are the only currency. You could say they're the soul currency. Cha-ching, thank you. Uh, But so you spend it to, like, buy things and to level up your character. And that's exactly how souls in Onimusha work. Mm. And they come from downed enemies, but you gotta hold a button to grab them and I actually really like that it's very satisfying <laughs> yeah it does feel good when they all come oh that was like a filthy Freudian slip <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys can't tell we're recording this on like a weeknight which we don't usually do so I think we're a little more punch drunk than normal <laughs> from like working a whole day <laughs> yeah for sure I don't even remember what I was talking about uh sucking souls <laughs> sucking souls <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. You, you should check out the uh, adult version, Horny Musha. <laughs> yeah. You, it's two-player. I think that one was uh, sold as a double pack with BMX Triple X. <laughs> <laughs> you get BMX Triple X, Horny Musha, 
uh, two red four logos in a <laughs> black bag. <laughs> yeah, the black bag is really big, so you can also put it over your couch. <laughs> it's just you don't want you don't want that four loco and, and body stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. Real four loco, also. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's draw that distinction. Yeah, none of this, none of this decaffeinated horse shit. So, yeah, Onimusha <laughs> is a game where you play as a samurai named uh, Samanosuke. Sam, for short. Sam. We're going to call him Sam. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> he a Sam. Seems, yeah, he seems pretty cash. He let me call him Sam for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh,. Another cool thing about this game is that it does have the obtuse storytelling of a survival horror game or of a Dark Souls game. Well, you you don't find notes in this game. No. You find scrolls. Because it's Ninja Biohazard. (laughs) Yeah, they're very different than notes. And sometimes they're sideways. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So it has the, the note based uh storytelling of a survival horror game but it also has this really cool like in media res beginning and ending which definitely also made me think of dark souls like (laughs) the game boots up and it's like a scene on a battlefield of like nobunaga the like famous you know conqueror in the warring states uh, period in Japan. This side note: This game is set in the Sengoku period of Japanese history, which is their version of like the Chinese Warring States period. It's actually named in Japanese after that period. In China, it's like chronicled uh, is the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, mm-hmm. um, aka the Shit Dynasty Warriors is based on. I've heard of that game. <laughs> I, I heard tell of that one. Um, yeah, so this one's set in that period, and there's a famous like conqueror named uh, Oda Nobunaga. And in this game, th- the game opens with like, okay, here's Nobunaga killing a bunch of guys. Now you're this guy, and you're going to a castle you used to work at, I guess. Here you go. Save the princess. And that's pretty much all the context you get. Yeah, there's there's very little exposition. Oh, they show you you have a buddy. But that's really cool, because like... I felt that was refreshing. Like you start the game up and you jump right into the game and you're doing stuff. I totally agree. And the other thing too, is that it really does call back to those, uh, samurai like swordplay movies because most of those series had like a thousand movies. Mm. So if you went to the store and you rented a Zatoichi movie, like I did when I was like 18, you pop it in and they don't tell you who the fuck Zatoichi is. You're like, well, I know he's blind because it's called Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman. Mm-hmm. And like, I know he's a sword guy. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. And the game or the movie's just like, okay, here you go. He's in a village. Stuff is happening. And you're like, wow, okay. So I thought it was really cool that they decided to take that from Chanbara movies. Like, just like this is in the middle of the Onimusha movie series that right. doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, because there's their story beforehand, and then uh, at the end of the game, there's like post roll, kind of like the Wonder Years, telling you, telling you how like everybody ended up. Yeah. Oh man. It's, so it's like a little slice of this world. Yeah, it's really, really good, and it's funny because you can 
play the game with English voice acting or Japanese voice acting. Yeah. And they both work perfectly because the Japanese one is like very overdramatic and wild, like a Chanbara movie. And then Mm. the English one is just very bad, like a bad dub of a Chanbara movie. (laughs) So it feels like a Kung Fu movie or something. Yeah, and I actually yeah. played the game half and half. I think I played the first half in English and the second half in Japanese just because I I really enjoyed both of them. Like, people love to complain about the English dub because, well, that's what people do. But Well, they're always bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in certain contexts they work. Well, I think it works better for something like Onimusha because, you know, bad dubs from Asian films, like, it's going to happen. It's a classic. Yeah. Well, and even before we started rolling, we were talking about the anime Boogie Pop Phantom, which, yeah. and it's very similar to Lane. And one of the things that has in common with Lane is that it has like a really bad English dub, but it's so bad that it ends up heightening the surreality of it. Like Silent Hill 2 style. Like the last episode of Evangelion style. Yeah. I would argue that that's kind of like its own weird form of high art. And I like it a lot. Yeah, that's for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's our anime podcast that we're not starting. Um, Dear God, no. No, this is enough work. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, I I really enjoyed how they took so many cues from those movies and they didn't try and clean it up for the Western release. Like they just let it be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Even though some Western players may not have been as familiar with those movies. I wasn't. Um, like, I'm kind of like a modern Japan nerd, but when it comes to like historical Japanese stuff, I have a lot to learn. 60s Japanese cinema and some 70s too is like so baller. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Man. I've only seen a couple, but I feel like I could, if I like open Pandora's box, I could like lose my shit in it. It's so good. I mean, if you just go watch like the auteurs and just watch like their best movies, like, you know, if you watch Tokyo Story and uh, well, even if you just watch Tokyo Story, you get the idea. But I mean, <laughs> literally, they're all in the Criterion Collection. Sick. Um, yeah. Like uh, Ozu, his stuff is in there. And I don't know. There's a there's a bunch of really cool like filmmakers in there i mean uh merry christmas mr lawrence you know that's another good one really uh, i thought you just made that one up no it stars david bowie and it's a real movie oh shit wow yeah man it's uh it's a really weird movie it's really good wait a samurai movie with david bowie no 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 it's a world war ii movie oh okay. he, he plays a british pow <laughs> my imagination disappointed me again <laughs> no that would have been too good for this world i think the Last Samurai 2, starring David Bowie. <laughs> the Last Samurai 0, starring David <laughs> Bowie. That would have been cool. But he's doing his southern accent from Firewalk with me. <laughs> yeah, man. He's definitely doing that accent in heaven. Who do you think that is there, Samanosuke? Who do you think that is there? Oh, God. It's so harsh. I love it. So the other interesting storytelling bit in this game, besides the fact that they make you read scrolls like (laughs) Ninja Biohazard, is that 
there is a lot of cool hidden world building, which is mm. also to me a very Dark Souls thing. So there's actually a lot hidden in this game, or at least if not hidden, it's optional. Mm-hmm. Um, there's extra items and armor and a whole bunch of stuff that you don't have to get. And a lot of it is in this very strange sort of collectible slash puzzle thing where you collect the lines of a scroll and the lines form almost like an epic poem or like bits of an old epic poem. Yeah. And as you find the bits and you assemble these poems, you can unlock items using the poems. But if you just read them, you also uncover this weird secret history of demons trying to take over the earth. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And like in Dark Souls, it's a whole set of lore that's hidden in item descriptions and uh, very, very optional side content. Mm -hmm. And it's cool because there's also some pretty major stuff late in the game that you don't have to unlock, but you can. And once you do, it's like, whoa, there's a whole world that's contained within this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And yeah, even though it made me read a lot of notes, uh, I I like that they found a more novel way to present at least some of those things. Yeah, I, I feel like um, collecting things in this game is like part of the gameplay loop because you have to collect a bunch of stuff and like you probably won't do it on the first playthrough. Um, so like even just like powering up your weapons... Um, you have to collect souls to power up your weapons. And that's kind of how like the game progression works. There's doors and you can't go through those doors until s- your certain weapons are at the, the correct level. Um, so, you know, just like collecting souls is baked in. You want to collect all these like secret books so you can figure out, you know, the riddles. Um, and then there's like these weird uh, puzzle boxes everywhere. Yeah. And some of them have to do with those um, with those poems that you're collecting. But then also some of them are just like number puzzles. Yeah. A lot of them are like these sliding number puzzles where you're trying to get the numbers to line up in sequential order. And yeah, some of them are kind of tricky. It's kind of weird. I, I think I would rather have Resident Evil style puzzles for items. Yeah. I kind of like the number puzzles though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It made me feel like I was like in elementary school, but the other boxes that would unlock though, they would ask you like trivia questions from those poems. And then you were supposed to answer with like runic symbols. And there's like no way you would have been able to solve those on your first playthrough. Yeah. Unless you collect everything and like, even on the playthrough I did for this, I got a lot of stuff because I've just played this game so many times. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't get all of those. Because the way it works is that you get the scrolls and it has like an English translation next to like a runic set of symbols. And then the game will ask you a question from the poem. So you have to go through and find the answer in English and then remember the runic symbol. Yeah, but you get pieces of the poem in a real scattershot way. So you're getting unlinked words like out of the 
sentences at different times. Yeah. So I don't I don't know you would be able to solve all of those on your first playthrough without some sort of guide because you might I kind of feel like you would get some of those answers later in the game unless you would backtrack really far. Yeah, I did a lot of backtracking mm, for those. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess you can backtrack a lot to the beginning of the game. So that's another thing. I mean, the like we were talking about with the gameplay loop. I mean, it's pretty much like a Resident Evil, except you can level up. So mm-hmm. you're going from area to area. You're unlocking doors, except the progression is through leveling up, and you spend a lot of time leveling up. You can go level grind if you want to. Yeah. I, I had to once because I leveled up the wrong things, and that was probably the, the least fun I had playing the game. I feel like they added that to the game to artificially lengthen it. It is definitely one of the really annoying things in the game is that you can level up anything you want. Um, And so you have three weapons and each of them has a different color. Right. And those correspond to door locks. So if you go to a door and it has two green orbs, you have to have the wind weapon leveled up to level two. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't like that weapon, it's probably at level one. So you get there and it's like, shit, I have to go grind. Right. So you end up doing some grinding and you can do a lot of optional backtracking to unlock items and stuff. Mm. But the the one thing about that that saves it is that the game is small. Yeah, it's super small. So it's not really like a long slog to get back to the first area. It is sometimes a lot of fighting because the enemies change over time. So even like an introductory area will get more powerful enemies as the game goes on. Yeah, so... To illustrate the scale of Onimusha, it's probably only the size of like two or three areas in a Dark Souls game. Yeah. Very small. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, some of those Dark Souls areas are really big. Yeah. You know, maybe it might even be closer to. Yeah. Yeah, it might even be smaller. I mean, it's like a Japanese castle. For, like, a small fiefdom in the Sengoku era. Yeah. Like, and it is it is cool how it plays with that. Because, like, it makes you go up on the roof. And then it makes you go to the dungeon. Yeah. And, like, it makes a little little baby castle feel really huge um, in its own way. But if you need to backtrack, you realize just how small it is. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness Podcast. If you want to support us, the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, whatever at Zero Brightness Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. So I feel like we should talk a little bit about 
the combat in the game because most of what you do yeah there's a lot of hacking and slashing involved so when Semenosuke returns to this castle to save this princess he finds that it's been overrun with demons and the demons of course have hordes of zombies who are well versed in samurai and ninja fighting techniques the army of the ninja undead Yes. So that's like a big element of the horror in this game. Yeah. Or the, it's just that you're fighting zombies the whole time. And when you're not fighting zombies, you're fighting big old demon boys. Yeah. And the demons all look sort of inspired by Japanese mythology. Right. Uh, which is a, a cool element. They also have ridiculous voices, regardless of what <laughs> language you set it in. I do love, to the environments, the way that they play off of the whole demonic aspect. There's some really great dungeons and sort of vintage monster labs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they have a great aesthetic and they have a great look to them. And I think because the game is so fast-paced and it kind of is sending you throughout this one big environment. It kind of avoids the resident evil trap of getting you into one mood and then jarring you out of it by making you like go to the secret lab. Very true. Yeah. You know, cause like it starts kind of changing it up on you right away, but it's all very cohesive because of the heavy aesthetic of it being like, Japanese historical fiction. Yeah. Also, the monster designs are freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, the monsters in this game rule. I especially like the guys that you slice in half and then they like, grow doubles. And so you're fighting <laughs> two of them, then you slice one in half, and then you're fighting three. Yeah. So one of the things that makes the combat so cool in this game is that the enemies are very crafty. Like, that guy, it just becomes a puzzle basically yeah of how you kill it correctly and you know there's like basic zombies and just big guys with clubs but there's also ninjas who are very agile and skillful there's archers who just always suck in every game ever <laughs> yeah and there's also like some weird hazards they'll throw in like there's these orbs that'll show up and steal souls from you oh yeah the face heads yeah so you can like kill a bunch of dudes and not get the souls if that thing gets away. Yeah. And so the game actually, even if you don't have to master the combat to beat the game, you do have to understand it and get good enough at it. So you sort of outsmart uh, the game's enemies that it throws at you. Mm -hmm. The way that the combat works, though, is really interesting. Like I was alluding to earlier, it's essentially sword action mapped onto survival horror controls. Well, there's a little more to it. Um, there's a dedicated block button, which is super handy, uh, sort of overpowered. But then I would always forget to use it, of course, because I'm an idiot. Yeah, the block is interesting because it can be broken. Like in Dark Souls, you sort of have like a, a hidden poise meter you can't see. Mm. But it's really kind of inconsistent in a fun way where you can sometimes like get broken by a little tiny dude and then block like a guy the size of a house. Yeah. In that way, it's unlike Dark Souls. Dark Souls is like pretty consistent where it's like big dude, don't block, you know? Yeah. 
or everything roll. <laughs> yeah, there's no roll in this game, which is which is a big uh, point of difference. Yeah. You know, speaking of all these Dark Souls references, this game reminded me of one area of Sekiro um, where it's sort of like a flashback scene, but it's like an area that you can travel to, but it's just like a, a big estate on fire. Oh, okay. And then you have to like go up to the estate and like... I think you're trying to save a kid. So, like, very similar to Onimusha. Right. But, yeah, like, this, the estate is, like, on fire and under siege. And there are, like, ninjas on rooftops shooting arrows at you and shit. It's so much like Onimusha. Yeah, there's multiple areas in Onimusha where just shit's on fire and there's a lot of arrows flying. And you're just, like, running, yeah. trying not to get hit. Now, just, like, crank that difficulty times 100 and you have Sekiro. <laughs> and the speed. We're not going to review Sekiro because I can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, which means that I and probably I'm, can't even get close. <laughs> I stopped trying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe one day I'll get a wild hair and try it, but I'm definitely going to beat <laughs> Dark Souls 1 and try to get into 3 before I even attempt that. Yeah. So, you know, a few years from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing I really like about the combat in this game is just how methodical it can be like yeah i think that when part of the reason i was excited for sekiro even though i just didn't end up even trying it uh was that i had just played onimusha and it really does the combat sounds very similar where it's essentially about blocking choosing when you're going to attack choosing your positioning and just making sure that whatever you do is like meaningful and the right move, Mm. you know? Yeah. Onimusha is more forgivable though, where in Sekiro, if you're not reading the opponent, they'll just kick your dick and dick into the dirt. (laughs) It's just completely unforgiving. I actually like that a lot about Onimusha that it actually gives you some room to fuck up. Because there are parts of it that are pretty difficult, but like you can get by barely and get through the rest of the game. I do feel like I didn't have this experience, but I do feel like a player could get into a position where they would have to restart the game because they don't have any more healing items. Yes, you absolutely could. And I kind of got into that position on this playthrough. <laughs> uh did you start over at a certain point? No. So, okay. So for most of the game, the difficulty is pretty balanced. Like you have to understand how combat works. You have to be strategic, but you don't have to be great at it. And towards the end, the difficulty starts to ramp up. Oh, yeah. And then right at the end, it just hits like a wall. It's like a huge spike in difficulty. And so right before the end, you fight a mirror version of the protagonist. So yes. it's a Sam on Sam. Yeah, Sam v. Sam was my first, the first time I played it was very difficult. Yeah, it's super hard. And I think I used three or four healing items on him. Yeah. So the thing is that I already wasn't doing like great on my healing items. And then I sort of biffed that fight and used almost all of my healing items. Mm -hmm. And so then I was, I mean, after that, you're not far from the last two bosses, which are kind of like back to back, just one big end boss. And 
so I was going into that boss and in the first stage I was just getting wrecked or like I would beat him and have no healing items. And I was like, shit, what do I do? And then I was reading about how you can go and get like the hidden master sword basically. Yeah. And so I just went and did that instead because for some reason that was a lot (laughs) easier for me than the bosses. Like I was a lot better at, um, that, which is it. So it's called the underworld. It's like an optional yeah. side quest that opens up about halfway through the game or so. And essentially it's just an, like an enemy gauntlet you go through like, yeah, it's like those stupid dungeons in Zelda where you have the like 50 levels and there's bad guys on each level. Yeah, exactly. It's stupid. <laughs> it's pretty stupid, but for some, I don't like it for some reason I was better at that than the boss fight. So I went and did that in like three tries and I was like, Oh, Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you know, there was just like a board meeting and they were like, well, boys, the game is great, but it's only two hours long. (laughs) What are we going to (laughs) do? Door locks and the underworld. Yeah. Bam. Five hours of of rich cinematic gameplay. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) In 2001. I mean, yeah. You know, fuck else were you doing in 2001, man? Come on. Yeah. Well, there's just like. I know, there's just so much shit in this game, like the 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 combat depth and all the unlockables and stuff, and there's just so little game for it all to exist in. <laughs> you're not wrong, unless, unless I guess you're gonna replay it over and over again. But I don't know. It just it didn't tickle me as one of those games, and I'm not a kid anymore. That you know, like you know, when you're a kid, you have like seven games, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, well, I I sort of agree and disagree with you because like to your point. So when you do that crazy side quest, you get the the like crazy hidden final weapon and you only get to use it in the last boss mm. on your first playthrough. Yeah. And then everything else is really for New Game Plus. Okay. And so the game is really oriented towards being replayed and like doing the new game plus thing. Right. Right. Which I think for me, like having already done that so much in my life, I just like get it. So I was just mm. like, yeah, I'm probably going to play this again soon. Like I just really <laughs> like this game. But I guess if you hadn't already been in that mindset, I could totally see this just being like a diversion, you know? Yeah. Just like. Eh, it's fun for a few hours, like whatever. It was. But it was like, you know, like a popcorn movie. You know, you watch it on Friday night and it's over. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I will say um, that Master Sword thing is for weak-minded people. <laughs> and you should be shit. the last boss the right way. You cheated not only shit. the game, but yourself. Are you calling me you out? No, I'm just improve. talking shit. You took a shortcut <laughs> and gave I think I just got you called out. No, I, I just didn't want to do that real stupid, like, 20-level boss rush mode or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I think what you're trying to say is that I didn't just cheat the game. I cheated myself. You <laughs> cheated not only the game, but yourself. Yeah. You didn't slash at the last boss's ankle for seven minutes like I did. (laughs) Yeah. And the last boss is weird. It's not like anything else in the game. game It is kind of weird, yeah. Right? It's like a fixed perspective. He's just a wall with tentacles, kind of. (laughs) 
But, you know, all the comparisons I've been making between this game and, like, a FromSoft game, Uh one thing that I actually like better about this game is that it doesn't just hold your head underwater and tell you to get good. Yeah. Even with the difficulty spike, it's all doable, so it's kind of like, hey, if you want to get good, it's here. Right. Because there there are incentives, like, you get better items, like... You, the combat looks way cooler and is like more interesting and you can play it on a higher difficulty and it's where it's sort of like every encounter becomes like a one-on-one samurai fight, you know? Mm, yeah. I think that it, I actually like that the game is shorter and more accessible. I think my issue with the FromSoft stuff is that it's just like, I just start to be like, what else could I be doing, you know, with my life? <laughs> I, I don't know. I love Dark Souls 3. I think it was the right amount of hard. And then also being able to like phone a friend and get some help when you needed it was super cool. Um, yeah. Sekiro as a one player game, it's just too fucking hard, man. And like, I like hard shit. I like eating like ridiculously spicy food. You know, I, I like doing, I like playing guitar extremely loud. You know, right. I like hard games, but like Sekiro is just unforgivably hard. Yeah. And so Onimusha does it better. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I agree with literally everything you just said. Like, that's pretty much what I do most of my day is like play very loud music and eat very spicy food. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, and, and I like tough video games, but I want it to engage me and I want it to let the desire like foment within me. Like I want it, you know, like I want to come to my own understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that with a FromSoft game, it starts to, or at least with like my, me playing Dark Souls, it started to feel a little bit pedantic where it was just like, we're telling you how you should be playing and what you should be doing. Mm. You know? Well, a lot of people say the opposite about Dark Souls because you can, you know, build your character classes in so many different ways. Yeah, but then they give you like a thousand trapdoors to fuck it up. So it's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? mean, Okay, like I am going to beat Dark Souls. I was actually thinking today because I was like thinking about doing this episode today. And I was like, you know, I actually really want to start playing Dark Souls again. Like it rules. Play three on PC. Yeah. We can play together. Yeah. And if any listeners want to come join in and like gank squad us, that'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Come, come kill me. (laughs) Come up and get me. Uh, I never played the DLC, so that might be a fun reason to get back into it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's going to be a slow burn long one, though, because it's not a short game. No, those games are really long. But the reason that I preface all of this with me saying how much I like Dark Souls is that I do think a lot of what people say about it is bullshit. Like, oh, it's tough, but fair. It's like, that's what people say about their mean dads when they're trying to justify them just being really mean. It's like, no, you know what? Your dad was fucking mean. You can still love him if you want. I mean, most people won't judge you. I'll probably judge you, but like, whatever. And like, but it's just, it strikes me as like bullshit kind of. And once again, it's like, it doesn't mean you don't have to like the game. You can just say like, this game is cheap a lot of the time. And like... (laughs) It's when we said that in the last episode, we were talking about like, or in the FPS episode where it's like, yeah, blood can be super fucking blood is fucking cheap and it knows it's being cheap. And so does Dark Souls like like from soft games know when they're trolling you. 
Like, are you kidding? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like, I don't understand why there's legions of people on the internet trying to make excuses for it. It's like, whatever, dude. It's like not fair, but you like it. It's, oh, it's, it's just like neck beard logic bullshit. Like, <laughs> it seems almost like buyer's remorse. It's like, well, I've played this game for 600 hours. I guess like I have to explain why. They think they have like a, like, dude, go get a master's degree or something. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, you know what would be nuts if all these people learned, like, a really hard instrument? Like, go learn the harp. Yeah. And then tour playing Dark Souls music on a harp. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I would fucking go see that shit. I'm probably going to, like, trademark that before this episode comes out. So nobody else can do my harp souls band. I saw the Zelda Symphony. I saw the Game of Thrones Symphony. I want to see the Dark Souls Symphony. Dude, harp souls. Yeah, harp souls. Coming. 2022. (laughs) I also want to see the Ghost in the Shell 1 soundtrack symphony. Yeah. Synthesizers and symphonies. Yeah, dude. I'd go see like the Akira soundtrack like that too. Fuck yeah, dude. That would be nuts. So you, so you saw the Zelda symphony. That was great. I yeah, think. it was cool. Uh, there wasn't a live piano though, so the piano was backing tracks and I thought that was horse shit. Yeah. And they played medleys of each game. Which was kind of fucking horse shit. Because <laughs> what I really wanted to hear was 15 minutes of Rito Village from Breath of the Wild straight. <laughs> and I wanted to hear Temple of Time on solo piano from Breath of the Wild for 15 minutes straight. Like a fucking Philip Glass piece. Because that shit is brilliant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I obviously I'm with you, but... <laughs> I've also seen videos of just general like video game symphony stuff and it's very like it's literally all designed to get people to like scream and shout. (laughs) Yeah, with like just like musical cue medleys and shit. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, which is very funny because I mean, I have a background in playing classical music and it's like when you play classical music, nobody screams and shouts like ever yeah yeah. so it's kind of funny that this whole subgenre of like now like classical music performance or symphonic music performance is designed around like guys going like yeah when they hear like the beginning (laughs) of halo you know well and all the musicians they were like local union dudes and like they don't give a fuck about zelda you know what i mean so there's like no (laughs) passion to their performances or anything i mean it was still good because they know what they're doing but they're just like jaded old men playing Zelda songs on flutes and shit. Yeah, they have their hands insured. They don't fucking play video games. Yeah. The Game of Thrones one, I I know you're racist against Game of Thrones and all other (laughs) fantasy. (laughs) But the Game of Thrones one was at the Alamo Dome, and it was fucking sick, dude. (laughs) Fucking sick. Yeah, I am racist against fantasy. (laughs) I'm man enough to say I got a couple goosebumps at that Game of Thrones live concert soundtrack experience. Yeah, man. No, you do you. Dragon <laughs> Fuckers Incorporated, man. Do it up. Um, I'm not going to defend the end of Game of Thrones, though. We can move on now. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Dude, the salt is real. Yeah, yeah. I'm mad. Uh, the only person I hang out with regularly who really is obsessed with Game of Thrones actually didn't mind the ending. I was kind of shocked. I don't know who that person is, but I don't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a really nice guy. Any friend of yours is a friend of mine. Yeah. 
Except for that fucking guy. Except for that fucking guy. Like, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I asked him, I was like, are you okay? Like, everyone's really <laughs> mad, you know? Because he, like, loves Game of Thrones. Like, loves, loves, loves Game mm. of Thrones. And so sometimes I would just kind of talk to him about it because it's like, I know you love this shit. And, like, uh, yeah, he was like, oh, I mean, I don't know how. He was like, I don't know how they were going to end it. So I didn't really expect anything. I was like, oh, that's probably a pretty good attitude. You ever play a game where it just like ends really abruptly and you're like, that's fucking it? Yes. Like, like Onimusha. You're just like, what? That's fucking it? That was the end of Game of Thrones. Like, they like shoved like six seasons worth of shit into one season. Yeah. And you're just like, what? No. What? What? No. No. What? It's like those recap episodes that they play at the beginning of a season yeah. to like catch everybody up on the previous season. Yeah. But that was like, complete 90 minute episodes (laughs) yeah that's that sucks i mean that's definitely a big thing in anime where they're like the series gets canceled then they get a movie and they're like okay let's do the entire plot outline which was supposed to last seven seasons in one movie or Lacey was telling me about um some really famous anime that the cartoon was actually coming out faster than source material so the cartoon started doing different shit and the source material never caught up attack but on then, titan oh was that i think it wasn't that one but there's another one there's but a then, bunch of them yeah after after the cartoons ended all the manga came out and then they started the cartoon again and did it the right way oh that's um full metal alchemist that's it full metal alchemist so yeah. actually what's funny is that I read a couple different articles comparing Game of Thrones to Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, that makes sense. Because, yeah, that is exactly what happened. But it it's a problem in any anime that's based on a manga that's not complete. Like, I think Berserk has that problem. Uh, One Piece has that problem. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these ongoing sort of franchises. But obviously it's a lot easier in anime because you can just start over and it's like the style might be a little different, but it's not like different actors. I mean, I think that's why the original dragon ball Z cuts drag so much too. Cause they yeah. had to wait for the manga to get published. Yeah, for sure. You could definitely tell <laughs> they're just like, we're going to stare at each other for 16 episodes. You know, that that's why I was racist against dragon ball Z when I was a kid. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z does suck though. Dragon Ball is is cool. Yes, I've always said that. The original Dragon Ball with Kid Goku is hilarious, charming, well animated, and a real joy to watch. And every episode is like um you can watch one episode and be satisfied, which you absolutely cannot do with Dragon Ball Z. You watch yeah. one episode of Dragon Ball Z and it's like a conversation of two guys yelling at each other. <laughs> no, for sure. And it's funny, I realized that when I was a kid while watching Dragon Ball Z and then like, because you'd watch a fight and it'd take forever and it'd be super unfun and then they go to like the side episodes like Bulma trying to learn how to drive or whatever and it's yes. like, it's so much more fun. It's like, oh yeah, because yes. this is like all that Dragon Ball was. Yeah, absolutely. Shit was so funny. Yeah, but dude, what's funny is that once you know that they were just doing it to drag uh, to try to keep up with the manga, like, or to try and not outpace the manga, yeah. you can actually see a bunch of different series do that. Like, uh, Rurouni Kenshin famously did that because, like, 
the first two seasons are really, really good. And then the rest of the show is just garbage because it's all just like Dragon Ball Z shit. Yeah. And then same with uh, Flame of Rekka is exactly the same where mm. like the end of the show is just a tournament that they started to kill time. And it's just, oh. it's so bad. Dragon Ball Z did that like 12 times. Well, Dragon Ball Z is just a whole show structured around like, now we're going to fight this guy and it's going to take two years. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Not good. (laughs) But yeah, maybe they'll reboot Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones Ultimate Edition. I would watch anime Game of Thrones. Yeah. That would actually be like overly violent. Yeah. What about like Game of Thrones, but with like Eon Flux type animation? Dude, I was just talking about Eon Flux yesterday. That cartoon is fucking dope still. Yeah. Dude, absolutely. Every single episode is dope. Yeah. Oh my god. Eon Flux is the shit. Yeah. Absolutely. I need to watch that. That shit's probably on YouTube. I should watch all that. <laughs> you know you know what I want is a Dark Souls anime. That would be pretty cool, I think. That would be sick. I mean, they did the the Castlevania anime and that was cool. I heard that was good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I watched the first season and it's great. And then this week, like this last week, my friend's been bugging me to watch it. Uh, He said the second season is also really, really good. Yeah, I heard the first season was sort of just like a warm up. Yeah, it's like a prologue four episodes, but it's got a lot in there. It's got a lot of content and ideas. It's really cool. Cool tone. Kind of took it more of a the sort of the older games where it kind of has a medieval type of Mm. feel. And there's kind of these like villagers who live at the foot of this enormous haunted castle. It's cool. At least someone's doing something with the fucking Castlevania franchise. Well, it blew my mind when I was looking at these reviews and it's like, yeah, there hasn't been a Castlevania game for like 11 years or something. What? Really? Yeah. That can't be right. Dude. What about those shitty 3D PC ones? There's only like two of those. And I think they did sort of like a weird online Symphony of the Night style thing for like Xbox 360. Was uh, that already nine years ago? Yeah. I mean, Ugh. I think that was a while ago, dude. Because like the last real Castlevania game was Lords of Shat. Well, Lords of Shadow was 2010. More like Lords of Shat. <laughs> I guess they made a sequel in 2014, but like. The last real Castlevania game was Order of Ecclesia, which was in 2008. And that's that was the last Koji Igarashi Castlevania game. All I'm saying is, like, look, Nintendo, take some of that fucking Splatoon money, that Mario Maker money, whatever. Just buy all the IPs from Konami so we can get some goddamn games. Oh, man. Like, fuck, man. That would be the best timeline. You know, you know what the best timeline would be. You know how Nintendo is working with the Crypt of the Necro Dancer developers. Yeah, yeah. Which is essentially an indie developer to make a Zelda spinoff. Right. You know, buy these Konami IPs because Konami also owns Hudson Soft IPs. That's right. Yeah. Buy all that shit, and then you know, with these Nindies, you know, start handing out licenses to these talented indie developers and making, you know, like 2D indie, like Game Boy Advance style games for Switch. Yeah, man. God, like I'm playing Hollow Knight right now and that game is so fucking amazing. If they did a a fucking Castlevania game, holy shit. That shit would be bonkers. 
Didn't NT Creates do the uh, Blaster Master Zero games? I think so. They also Those did were good. the 8-bit uh, Bloodstained game. There's a great um, indie dev called Joy Masher that I really like. Okay. Um, they do 8 and 16-bit style games. They did a game called Odalis, which is sort of like a Metroidvania and like NES style. It was really cool. Nice. Uh, they have a game coming up called Blazing Chrome, which looks like oh. a 16-bit Contra. It makes my dick fall off. Yeah, I've been reading about that. That looks super yeah. cool. They also did a ninja game called Oniken, which plays sort of like Ninja Gaiden, 8-bit. Okay. That's Yeah, but cool. I mean, like, there's so many of these great, like, Nintendo-style indie developers. Like, leverage that. Buy some IPs. You've got all that Switch money. Like, spend it on some good shit, you know? Because, you know, N- Nintendo's first-party output is great. Like, unquestionable, right? But it's a slow drip feed, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the doldrums of summer, you, you're lucky to get one or two games. Right. Well, and also, when they release a big first-party title, they go all in. And if it's something you're not into... That's just like, well, that release window, there's nothing really like there's little stuff now. They're getting really good at scheduling little stuff and big stuff, but there won't be a big game. Like, I don't give a shit about Pokemon. So, yeah, all this Pokemon shit is going to be all this fall. And it's like, well, guess I'm just going to like finish Breath of the Wild or something. Yeah. And that's that's how I feel about Smash. Like, I don't give a fuck about Smash. And I don't give a fuck about like Mario Maker. Like, I played the first Mario Maker. Oh, I super don't... Yeah, I played the first yeah. Mario Maker, and it was just a wholly unfun experience because nobody could... Pl- or, like, nobody played my levels, what I, which I put, like, a lot of effort into. And then, like, I was stuck playing, like, hundreds of shitty levels that children <laughs> made. So it was, like, a lose-lose situation. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Mario Maker's trash. Zero out of ten game. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah it's funny i like smash i bought the new smash just i kind of got sucked in the hype but it's really fun so i don't regret it um i just never got into it like something just doesn't click with me and i don't enjoy it yeah i mean i fuck with that i i mean i was talking about how i don't really like mario kart before so i'm like going to hell you know i mean you might want to get that check dude (laughs) (laughs) that's what's gonna finally get me to go to therapy is like not liking mario kart (laughs) it's like i don't want to talk about my family or like my childhood i just want to figure out this mario kart shit like (laughs) if i have to talk about my dad to figure out this mario kart shit i'll do it but i'd rather just talk about mario kart if we could just do that next time on zero brightness mario kart 8 (laughs) yeah it is a horror game for me terrifying why don't i like it (laughs) oh man what is this episode about (laughs) it's about a lot of things this is like mainly about onimusha 20 minutes ago yeah dude where's my episode (laughs) (laughs) we're driving it's 9 30 p.m on a tuesday we're driving oh yeah we're just cruising we're chugging along heading yeah we're on cruise control yeah 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 yeah. are are we do we want to keep talking about the onimusha (laughs) i mean what else do you want to talk about when it comes to onimusha um, we didn't really talk about the female character much. Um, the game switches to her perspective a couple times, um, which is really cool. But you also share an inventory pool, so I was like super conservative with her, and I like, 
even though she's a really cool fighter and she uses a completely different fighting style than Sam, yeah. like, I I kind of like ran past all the fights because I didn't want to use all my health items. Yeah, I did the exact but same thing. She's like a female ninja and she's got like dual knives and she does yeah. a bunch of like acrobatic cool shit, but I just didn't want to waste all my health items. So that was sort of like a, you know, sort of lost opportunity, at least for my playthrough. I'm not going to go back and play this game again anytime soon. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. I mean, I think I really like both of the characters in this game, both of the main characters in this game. Yeah. Um, like, Samonosuke is just a cool straight man, and, like, Kaide is just a cool ninja badass, and they have, like, a cool chemistry where they'll just kind of look at each other and nod and then go do some crazy ninja samurai shit, and it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And... I would have loved to see a direct sequel to this game. I mean, they made two more Onimusha games, but this was the end of this story, you know? That's interesting because, like, spoiler alert, um, at the end of the game, Sam just disappears, and <laughs> the the closing credit roll just tells you that, like, Kaede died a couple years later. <laughs> it's <was>, like, <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, she dies a few years later. She, like... They're basically like, yeah, she got a pretty cool job with this feudal lord, and then she died. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. Yeah, I mean, like, the story in this game is, once again, so it's a big tribute to these Chanvara movies, and so it's cool in that way, but it's also, like, really corny and not very important in the same way that it is for some of these, not all of them, but some of these, like, Chanvara movies where mm-hmm. it's just kind of window dressing. And it totally is. So, you know, Sam is there to save the princess who's like, he kind of loves her, I think, maybe. But it's like very vague. They're too wooden. You can't tell because they act like logs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's like a kid that gets involved. He's sort of like a scrappy. He was like the, the, the castle, like, I don't know, chimney sweep or something. What's the name of the girl from Resident Evil Zero? Sherry? He's the Sherry Birkin of <laughs> Onimusha. Yeah, he's totally the Sherry Birkin. Where it's like, why are you here? You're at your mom's job? Like, dude, your mom has a fucked up job. Like, <laughs> don't hang out at her job, bro. But uh, it is kind of like Leon and Claire. Yeah, totally. And I guess what I'm getting at is that I wish that they had treated them more like Leon and Claire, where they're sort of equal protagonists different scenarios that would have been sick yeah for sure and yeah they don't really do that so it does the game is so short and it it does so little with with some characters like kaide that you kind of want more and then yeah you don't get it i guess so now i'm looking at it i guess in onimusha 3 they brought back samonosuke but it's like via time travel okay which is cop like a, yeah cop out because you uh, know who that's the, like when fonzie jumped the fucking shark yeah, but do you know who yeah. the other main character in that game is? Is that uh, is that the one with the French guy? Yeah, it was Jean Reno. <laughs> yes. I never played it. I AKA, never saw it, yeah. but that's dope. AKA the professional. Yeah. Uh I definitely played like a minute of this game and was just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh but I think that's sort of like they took the license with the ending of Onimusho one to just be like, Well, he disappeared, so I, I I did want to note that they like almost make Kaede like a respectable like 
honorable female protagonist warrior. But then they give her like a super short skirt and jiggly titty physics. <laughs> yeah. And so they just totally fuck it all up. Yeah. Uh, that is very true. I mean. Thanks, Japan. It's not like as bad as it could have been because this was also the era of like dead or alive. Yeah. It, it, if you start to think about the characters in the story, you start to feel like, oh, man, it's so thin. But hey, it's a Resident Evil game, kind of. So, it's it's a it's a Japanese zombie movie, basically. Like, right? It's about as about as deep as Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> well, and it's better than fucking Steve in Code Veronica. Okay, there's no <laughs> fucking Steve. I'll never forgive Steve. Mm-mm. I said I was sore. My name's Steve. Well, uh. Final thoughts, Onimusha. I love it still, despite everything. It's so short, it's hard to hate it, right? Yeah. If it was twice as long, you might get sick of it. But I mean, it's three hours. Like, I played it for the first time, and my playthrough clocked in at three hours, two minutes. I think mine was a little bit less than that, but right around there. It's a make-your-own-fun kind of game. It's easy, it's simple. Uh, It's fun. And if you want to dive into it and collect everything and get really good at parrying and all that sort of stuff that I don't think either of us are super in love with. uh, Yeah, I didn't. What's a parry? (laughs) Who's parry? So I think this game, I'm checking the price right now. It was 20 bucks on the Switch, I think. It's 20 bucks. I think that's high. Right now it's 15 bucks on Steam. I still think that's high. I would maybe pay five to ten bucks for Onimusha. I think for me, when I we still have a few good like game stores, like vintage game stores in the Minneapolis area. One uh-huh. really good one called Gamerheads. Shout out to Gamerheads, dude. That place rules. Shout out Tony. Hell yeah, what's up? Uh, if we had any cool video game stores, I'd shout them out. <laughs> yeah man next time you guys are here if we have time i'll i'll fucking take you to gamerheads it's really good hell yeah but like so i know that when i go there if i'm gonna find like a cool ps2 game that's desirable it's probably gonna be between 10 and 20 dollars so if there's like a digital remaster that's a game i love i want to and i want to play and i know i'm gonna play it more than once i'll pay 20 i think for you definitely that's high just because you don't really have that same frame of reference for this game. If if I was gonna pick up a PS2 copy, I'd be okay with paying ten to twenty bucks. Yeah. If we're talking digital, we're talking a Steam thing, five to ten bucks. You know, Steam shit's always going on sale. Uh, I would hold off for this one for a sale. Yeah. For I'm sure. not saying that just because it's like mediocre. Like it's good, but it's like literally only three hours, and you might only play it once. Yeah, for sure. But I will say as a counterpoint that I mean this era is like weirdly devoid of resident evil style games like it's kind of wild because there's code veronica and then after that it's fucking resident evil 4 yeah and like this one seems super late for pre-rendered backgrounds it it, i don't know i don't know if any other games are doing pre-rendered shit in 2001 no they really weren't like we said even code veronica didn't even though it feels clunkier so to me, Onimusha stands out even if it's just because of the historical context of it and 
just the fact that you get to play a sort of prettier and smoother version of that really classic like gen one resident evil gameplay yeah and if that sounds good to you like you're gonna like this game you can decide how much that's worth to you but i think if that sounds good like you gotta play this game yeah if, if you find it at um a garage sale in your neighborhood pick it up even if the disc is scratched you can get it resurfaced for just a couple dollars <laughs> it's true and this game sold a lot of copies so there's a lot of them floating around throw that in your ps2 there was also a great assist version which is probably worth like 33 cents yeah but the remaster does add some stuff in terms of the relative controls and the clean up graphics i mean it's nothing to sneeze at i think yeah yeah like i said the characters upscale really well the game looks pretty good at first glance as long as you don't like look too hard yeah Um, yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's i think it's worth playing the remastered version in my opinion i mean if you don't mind like the tank controls the original is great but the remaster is really nice they add a lot of stuff and if you have a switch you can play it while you dub cassette tapes which is a True. weird combination of a very futuristic thing and a very, very old-fashioned thing to do. True, but I'll give you more street cred if you play it on your fat PS2 with the modem plugged into the back. <laughs> what about one of those weird portable TV things that like clipped onto the top of the PS2 so it's like on my table next to the tape duplicator and the modem's <laughs> plugged in? You get bonus points if it's on a cathode ray tube television. That's what, where the bonus comes from. Yeah. What if I also have a catheter? <laughs> a catheter, and you're watching it on a cathode ray tube television yeah. in your hospital bed. <laughs> I want oh. you to play Onimusha on your deathbed. I just meant so I didn't have to get up to pee. This got dark. <laughs> you don't even need to get up to pee. The game's only like two and a half hours long. Well, we already talked about this. You can just piss yourself. It's fine. Gamers you rise up. <laughs> Play it on hard mode and piss yourself a lot. <laughs> the official recommendation is to play this game on somebody else's couch on hard mode and just urinate. Just piss yourself. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, game club. Game club. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot to mention game club at the top, but at the end of every episode, we are telling you what we're going to play next. Yes, game club. Game club. Uh, what's that? Bloodstain? Ritual of the night, bloodstained. We're going it's action, good. dude. We're going like like many episodes in a row, just action. Yeah, we're gonna have to bring it back down with a pure survival horror experience soon. But we don't have one scheduled, do we? No. So bloodstained, ritual of the night, blood maybe curse of the moon if we have time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's um, after that? Good cue. We got a couple ideas. Maybe Deadly Premonition. Ah, I would love that. Oh, man. Or uh, we were talking about... I feel like people would love that. Yeah, maybe it's time. We were also talking about getting Eternal Darkness running with... Dolphin Emulator. Yeah, an illegal... Illegal crack. Please don't tell your parents. Don't tell Jesus Christ or your dad. (laughs) Jeez. No. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, let us know what you think, because we could play something totally different, too. Yeah. 
But now that Leisure you said Suit Larry Three, now that you said Deadly Premonition and it's recorded, I'm like using that as some sort of binding contract. Ow! All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.